Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Joining me today is someone I really admire, Sue Zoldak. She is a PR professional living like me in the Northern Virginia area, and she launched a parenting advocacy group called Do Better Fairfax City Public Schools last year to push for the opening of schools. Sue, great to have you on. Thank you, Julie, for having me. So I've been watching you on Twitter for a long time. It's kind of funny to finally hear someone's voice because I feel like I know you really well, again, because I've been following on Twitter, but we've never really talked. So it's really great to connect and have this conversation. And I really appreciate how fearless you are on social media, calling out Fairfax school officials for many of their, I should say for their, all of their, (laughs) their decisions as of late, there seem to be very few good ones. Um, But this isn't your full-time job. This is something, you know, you're, you set up this do better Fairfax city public schools um, in it, but you do that in addition to your job and you have a daughter and you're managing a household. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you launched do better. Yes. Um, And, and, Julie, you know, likewise, I've been following you on Twitter, and it's really great to get to talk to you. And, and as soon as I started Do Better, you know, everyone's like, you have to follow Julie. You know, she oh. has um, so many things to say about her uh, school system. So it, it's just really funny for us to meet this way, yeah. you know, because of COVID. But, you know, let me kind of explain to you how, how our lives crossed like yeah. this um, in in this, um, I guess, unfortunate way, but, you know, this is the silver lining of this. I always tell everyone is that I have, through my journey, met a lot of amazing people. So yeah. um, if we if we walk back to March of 2020 um, is when uh, schools all shut down, if, if we recall, I think that you know, yes. the approximate date of every school shutting down across the country, not just in Fairfax County here um, in Northern Virginia. Um, and we started to get a little uncomfortable here when we did not hear from Fairfax County for a week, two weeks. You know, what was the plan for doing distance? You know, why were we emailing? A lot of parents are saying we've emailed the teacher, the principal, we're getting radio yeah. silence. And and some parents are also hearing um, through the grapevine from friends who were, you know, who work at Fairfax uh, county public schools, which is the, you know, I believe the second largest employer in Fairfax County. Um, so a lot of people know people who work there just saying, oh, we were told to be quiet. We were yes, told yes. not to say anything because we were told not to work. We were told we're to burn our snow days, um, to, to log in as a snow day um, because the county doesn't have a plan. The superintendent right. doesn't have a plan. Um, and so we started getting a little suspicious and we thought, you know, we, we need some answers. I mean, this isn't Right. You know, and even even if you don't have an exact plan, you know, honesty is always the best policy. Right. right. It's it's better to just come out and say we're thinking we're working. You know, if you have questions, this is how you can contact us. You know, just have an open dialogue. Right. It's never good to shut parents out. Um, that's the last thing you want to do, especially during a pandemic when parents are worried. I mean, that, you know, I mean, we're both parents that that only makes parents even more hyper. Um, So, um, you know, fast forward, we were one of the last counties in the area, you know, we're the 10th largest 
uh, maybe the 12th largest school district in the country, um, but one of the largest school districts in this uh, Washington, D.C. metro area um, with one of the largest budgets. And we were one of the last to return to uh, distance learning, as everyone did, a month later, uh, mid-April. On the first day, uh, the system that the students used crashed. We come to find out the school had not done any load testing. Um, They postponed another week. Um, The school, the classrooms were then attacked by 4chan. Um, The students were not given private links. Um, So long story short, I mean, there were all a host of other problems, um, which we don't have to, you know, detail. And everyone can look through the news um, and pull up some horrible articles about what happened last April, but we formed at that point Do Better um, FCPS in order to to just say, you know, there is no accountability in the school system, which has a $3.2 billion with a B budget. Um, oh. There is no a- accountability. There is no transparency. And, and the leadership, you know, we're, we're now in question of what kind of leadership this is because you have to take responsibility for for what's happening, you know, for the fact that you didn't have a plan for a month, and then when you did open it up, it, it failed, not once, but twice. Right. You and know, it's interesting. Wait, I, I hate to interrupt, but I do want to say one thing. It's interesting you say, you know, that this, we started to notice all this stuff when the pandemic happened. I mean, this there's been exactly. really nothing good about this pandemic, but I, I will say, boy, has it opened people's eyes, the education system and the public school education system. You know, you talk about, and now people are actually tuning. I mean, Fairfax City Public School school board meetings are bananas. I mean, completely bananas. And I'm sure that for a long time, you know, maybe some people were tuning in, but not really, you know, the the statistics, I've I've read the statistics on who shows up for a school board election it's something like only 4% of a town or city's population votes for the school board. And for a variety of reasons, it's you know, maybe it's low. older people who don't have kids. They don't care about the schools. You know, they're not really, th- they might, they might connect it to the property taxes or property values rather, but they're not really, you know, so they don't really care. People are pretty apathetic about not anymore, not anymore. You are going to have a lot more interest in who gets these elected spots because it is it is astonishing just how powerful they are. And when you say billion dollar budgets here, this is this is critical that we get valuable people into these spots. And I'm sorry for interrupting, but I did I did no, want to make no, that no. point that you know, it's just I Absolutely. love these stories of people suddenly going, Oh my gosh, I gotta pay attention here. This is this is bad, this needs improvement. That that's exactly right. So, you know, the, the, the only point I'm telling kind of that background is to just say we formed even before opening schools was an issue. Right. I mean, we formed back in the spring. Um, you know, we really got rolling in early summer before we even knew or had an inkling that we wouldn't come back in the fall. I mean, our, our goal then was just, you know, it seems like nobody holds these people accountable, like you said. And the, and a lot of people moved to our area, you know, not just Fairfax, but obviously Arlington, Alexandria, Montgomery County, Loudoun, you know, because they trust that these are supposed to be one, you know, some of the best school systems yeah. in the United States. Um, and that, you know, people here, you know, they are focused on their careers, you know, they work near, you know, the capital of our nation, they want to be able to trust the school system, right? right, right. And 
you know, and, and the housing here is relatively expensive. Um, yeah, and, and, and people say, what am I getting for this? Well, and that's one of the reasons too, you know, people do, there are, there's a lot of money in this area, but there's also, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who, you know, don't have, you know, high paying jobs. And so they move to the area because the public schools are, because they can't, you know, they might not be able to afford the private schools. So they think that the public right. schools are good. This is an exceedingly expensive area to live in, to buy a house, to purchase, and especially to get your foot in the door to purchase that first house. It is very, very difficult. And so, again, you know, if you do buy a house, you know, if you're a middle class family and you have kids and, you know, for goodness sake, maybe if a mom wants to stay home, which is nearly impossible too, you know, then you think, okay, well, I'm going to save money. Or if, because you don't have any left, really, and so I'm going to go to the right. public schools. And now that has, I think people have a very clear vision that that is not the case, that these are not not good schools and they are not being run by the most competent people. And they certainly don't care about parent how parents feel. So well, it's it's this great awakening. <laughs> It really is. And, and the thing is, they have the budget to be great. And, and people, you know, people have this misconception, well, you know, it, it's, you know, we shouldn't feel sorry for those people in Loudoun or Fairfax. It's a bunch of very wealthy suburban families. But that is not true, like you're saying. You know, what people do is they scrimp and they save yes. to move into yes. a home here in this area that's much smaller than they could afford in, you know, a Midwestern state because they know that they can't afford to put five children through a private school. So they say, you know, a Fairfax County education is supposed to be just as good, if not better than a private school. And so we will, you know, we will live in a much smaller home or a condo and we will get our, you know, children, you know, the best education by, by sacrificing. And those are the families that are truly being, you know, insulted and hurt by the behavior of the leadership that we have that pretty much just, I, I don't, I don't think they take their job seriously. No, I don't either. And, you know, one thing that we've just, what I've discovered, uh, because again, I sort of had this great uh, awakening to the situation as well. Um, but I do, I do want to stress something you said, you know, and, and this is one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on. You started early, man, you were, it was an inst. it was like you, you woke up and you got and you mobilized and you were one of the first people that I saw that was organizing, that was really looking at like the budget was really, you know, reading these decisions and criticizing these decisions. And you sort of had a sense that this, this was very, a very important thing because other communities haven't had as, uh, um, I, I would say they, they didn't stand up as quickly or they haven't been as aggressive. So I really want to compliment you because I do think that there's a lot of different groups out there. Um, but Sue, yours is, has, has been, has been just wonderful. And I, and I think too, you know, when I say it was an awakening for me, I think part of it is just, it's so overwhelming. And so what was, I didn't really know where to go. And so it was really nice to have, have you out there and some of these other groups um, that were out there early because parents really didn't have a lot of help. And certainly they weren't getting information. You mentioned also, they weren't getting information from the schools. There was no information. Right. And, you know, right. I want to I want to talk a little bit later about, um, about, you know, sort of the contrast and how some of the different movements operate. But before I do that, I want I don't want to get off Fairfax. I mean, what is your, that was the beginning of it. But like, it's been a year now. It's been over a year. Yeah. How, how, what is, 
what's the condition of Fairfax schools now? Are they open full time? Are they hybrid? Are they giving kids a choice between online and like what what what's the situation there? So we um, recently, I would say probably in the last month, um, gave all the students uh, the ability to return to four days a week. Um, but what's unfortunate is that not every child took that opportunity. So right. there are some schools where there are perhaps 50% of the students at four days and half you know, maybe or a third at two days and a significant portion still entire choosing entirely virtual for whatever reason. Um, and we find a whole host of reasons, uh, varying from the very sad, we didn't know that school was open, right. um, which goes to, you know, the failure of the connection and the communication or even, you know, the failure to communicate in the right language by, right. Um, you know, Fairfax County Schools, um, but also just you know, the fear mongering that I feel the school board themselves, the school board members are responsible for. Yeah. Now, when you spend a year sending out a message uh, that is echoed by the teachers association, it's not safe, not till it's safe. You know, we right. have to go by the numbers. The numbers are high. The numbers are still high. And you have who, you know, the, the people who are the loudest, who are at the leadership position saying these things over and over and over. But when things changed, did, were they the first people to say it's safe now? No, they no. were not. I'm no. still waiting. I'm still waiting for them to utter those words. Right? Well, that, There's it, still school board members that say, you know, do it with caution, do it with safety. Uh, and, and the thing is, you've scared the bejesus out of some of these children and some of these parents, and you've done nothing to go back and, to them and say, there is no communication, you know, it is, the fact is, statistically, and we know this, that there is less chance of getting COVID in a school building than there is doing virtual learning. A yeah. school building is the safest place to be for a child and a teacher. Yeah, I, I, I want to just really quickly, yeah, there's also in Arlington and in a lot of Fairfax cities, I mean, we're getting to the point, like in Alexandria, where there are zero reports, zero reports of COVID infections, zero hospitalizations, we have turned a corner. I mean, and I guess the rate now they they recalculated it. The chance of a child getting COVID is like point four, point. I'm sorry, point zero 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 four. I mean, it's like it's 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 so minuscule now. And the way that teachers are, and this is what galls me too. They're continuing the fear mongering with the insistence on masks for a child. Right. For eight hours a day, and let's 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 be honest here. These schools in the, in Alexandria and in Arlington and in Fairfax County are old buildings. They've been around a long time. Okay, like and my child goes to a school that was built in 1920, and I don't think it's been renovated. Okay, like it's it, it's got some charming things. There are these gigantic fireplaces. I mean, they're almost like five foot tall fireplaces. Um, they're not work. They don't use them obviously, but that used to be how they warmed the entire school because all the classrooms have them. And so, you know, it, it, these, these buildings are not air conditioned properly. They're not also heated properly. So these kids are in the heat. I hated, I always hated going into the school building on a hot summer day because it just wasn't cool 
or only certain rooms are cooled and then they open the windows. And so you've got these kids with these masks on and you know how DC summers are. They're hot, they're humid. And so this is, this insistent on, this is insistence on masking is another way to continue the fear mongering. And like you say, they're not, they're not correct. They're not offering any statements of, you know, it's, we know it's safe, but these are, you know, this is a, precaution that we're taking no they just they're they're it's again it's this theater this theater of fear that they're pushing and again they're pushing it on kids it's very galling i and i to be honest with you i think the masking is going to be the next big battle but but, i mean it we we hope it's going to go away only because you know look it's you know people accuse us of playing politics with all this and I'm like, I'm playing politics. I mean, if you look at the data, there has been no correlation between mask mandates and the COVID infection rate. Yeah. You show me the correlation and I will say, okay, let's do it. And the fact is, you know, we have said from the beginning, we have been tracking the data, you know, that has come from, um, you know, Dr. Oyster. And, you know, we said, look, here's the, the Qualtrics data. Pull down where it says virtual and then look at the infection rate. Of teachers and then pull down where it says in person and look at the infection rate of teachers and you'll see that they're nearly identical yes. explain that explain that yes. why these teachers who are teaching virtually still are getting COVID at the exact same rate as the teachers that were teaching in person and how can you tell me that you're safer that way are you obviously still leaving the house as you should be allowed <laughs> to leave the house you know what I mean no it's, it's so you know look it really is and, inside and the I, school building. And I think what is so also so galling, I use the word, ga- I say galling like 15 times a day. If, that, that's probably low. I probably say it 100 times a day. But I also find what what's so galling is that for the last year, so in our, we have a pretty <laughs> fun superintendent ourselves. And, you know, for a year he says things like, uh, we're just following the science. We're just following the science, right? So, the entire year when other schools are opening up, and by the way, all private schools are already open, you know, this guy's just, you know, shouting, we're following the science. And then when the science no longer, you know, when things are, are truly opening up and CDC is saying, like, okay, you don't have to wear your mask in- indoors even, you know, then suddenly, you know, they, they kind of shut up about fo- following the science or, you know, in our case, so the, the guidance was six feet, that deaths had to be six feet apart. And then the CDC came out and said, it'll be, it's okay, you can make it three feet because this became a capacity problem, right? Like it's, it's hard to, to, to get kids back in if you don't have the room. And especially in Alexandria, because we have a terrible overcrowding problem. And so, so when the CDC came out and again, after a year of hearing the superintendent lecture parents and smugly say, we're just following the science. He then, when, when the CDC goes to six feet or goes to three feet, which means he can he can bring kids into back into the classroom, and the capacity issue isn't as big of a deal. He says, "No, no, no, we're not going to follow CDC CDC guidance. We're going to fo- follow my guidance." And I mean the you know the steam coming out of parents' ears. It was just it's so it's so insulting. And again, it shows you that it was never about the science. It is never about the science, and it was about keeping these uh, the 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 allegiance and the the um, to that idea to closing schools to keeping closed schools um, or clo- schools closed. It's just amazing to me how dedicated they are to that goal. Well, and it's you know at 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 Do Better SDPS we 
we, um, you know, are dedicated to a lot of other topics beyond um, the the COVID issue. And what we have learned from looking at all these different topics is that these school board members and these superintendents and these administrators, you know, they they seem to have, you know, both a victimhood complex of of you know, you know, everyone's out to get us and they don't appreciate how much work we do, so we always have to show you know, demonstrate how, how difficult their job is, yeah. um, you know, to the extreme. But also, you know, they seem to strive on being, you know, creating a situation where they can feel like they've come in and been be the savior, you know, of your children. Yeah. We're saving yeah. them, you know, from, um, you know, from racial incidents. We're saving them from horrible, you know, math or, you know, racist math or we're, saving them from X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's this constant, you know, instead of focusing on how can education be better, it's just focusing on how can we save them from some, you know, horrible, horrible thing that's about to, you know, get your kids. And if, if not for me, you know, your child would be in these dire straits. And, you know, parents, I think, are starting to wake up and be like, hold on a second, but did you actually do, you know, the core job? Right. <laughs> of educating my child right. to, you know, get them through the grade? Or are you just, you know, like, why, you know, you, you bought a solar panel, you know, because, you know, it just, it, it just, it, it's becoming, it's becoming very clear, right? Yeah. That they're yeah. in the job of patting themselves on the back, yeah. right? As yeah. opposed to actually saying, how do we make the most out of $3.2 billion so that everybody gets ahead that, you know, the, you know, the rising tide raises all boats. I mean, they don't think like that at all. Right? Well, you know, you are fighting for all children, not just your own. You're, you are doing this. And again, I want to, I want to read you a little bit of a, a Twitter thread that Sue put up um, on March 27th. So essentially around the year anniversary of the school's closing and of her advocacy for all kids um, and for open schools and just better schools, better run schools. She mentioned this is a $3.2 billion school system. She wants it, that money to be spent on the kids and on educating these kids. And so, so the organization she set up is, is, has, has been doing that. And it's really interesting though, Sue, this Twitter thread, and I want to ask you about it, but I want to read one part of it. Um, because you went on Fox news, Laura Ingram had a, a really great town hall, um, talking about the closed school situation, right? And she had, it, it was really interesting. She mm -hmm. had a, some, some medical, she had a medical panel on there. She had parents and you were there. Um, and you know, you got some real blowback, um, for going yeah. on her show and one in this, and again, I, I think everyone should, should follow Sue Zoldak at Sue Zoldak. It's Z-O-L-D-A-K. Um, on Twitter, but there's, she has this as her pinned Twitter tweet. I think you do. You know, you said for going on that show and for what she's done, because she's asked a lot of questions of the public school, right? She's shaken things up. She's made people mad with her questions. She says, you know, from there, I have been, uh, you know, people have looked up her business to try to see if she was a lobbyist. She says, I've been accused of being a part of QAnon, being a racist, being a white supremacist. And this one is fun, hating teachers. Sue says in this tweet, tweet tweet. Uh, I'm a former middle school teacher. I studied at the University of Michigan at um, University of Michigan School of Education. I am an adju a current adjunct professor. Uh, these accus accusations are nonstop. In fact, just yesterday, someone who tweeted anon anonymously posted about my connections to right now women's PAC, 
um, which is a very, it's hilarious because I think of right, that that pack is like, oh, this nice organization that tries to encourage women to yes. run for office. Yes. And like they posted right. it and it's like very conspiratorial. It's like literally right. saying you're part of like a church group or like a you're part of a like, you know, the junior league. This is not controversial. So anyway, Sue, tell me about like some of that harassment that you've gotten. I assume not just from, you know, sort of the officials at Fairfax schools, but also from other parents. Um, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate, um, you know, just what has happened in our communities, I think nationwide. Um, you know, this is one of the things that I, I, I speak to a lot of parents about, like you said, I was one of the first ones to start a group and a lot of parents reached out and said, wow, how did you do that? You know, we want to model ourselves yeah. after you. Um, and, and even some of their groups named themselves with do better in their names, kind of, you know, in honor of what we were doing, which, yeah. which we loved. And, and, but also, you know, they took a look at our website and said, how did you do this? You know, we like to learn. But then that, those questions soon turned to what are you doing about the bullies? Um, what are you doing? How, how, what are you doing about these people who are coming after you? How, you know, give us some advice because this is happening to us too. Um, and so what, what you pointed out is that, you know, they quickly pointed out that I am in fact a Republican. Um, and for some reason, that means by <laughs> default that what I'm doing is sneaky, um, that I'm doing it for personal profit, um, that, that you're I'm a Trump supporter. To run a Scam, um, right? Um, that I have created. Um, they, I mean, they have literally accused me, which is very close to libel, to say she's done this as a racketeering um, organization oh, to, uh. you know, fill her own pocketbooks. You know, and, and I, I have a business reputation. So what I do in my real time, you know, I, I run three businesses, all of which um, contain my name. I run the Zoldak Agency, um, which is a public affairs ad agency. I run a research firm called Zoldak Research. Um, and I run a Republican um, digital agency called Zoldak Victory. Um, but they pick on that last one, which is actually the smallest of my three firms and the newest, um, as if to say, aha, of course. You know, that means that she's up to no good. And, you know, the logic is, I, I don't even know if you want to call it logic. I mean, even using the word logic in this conversation is, you know, giving it too much credit. But I, I don't know how that, A, makes any sense. Um, and, you know, I have a child, I, you know, I'm a legitimate Fairfax County resident. I've lived here um, since 2003. I've explained all this publicly. I've used my real name. You know, we use the Do Better FCPS website and Twitter handle because, you know, actually, I don't do this by myself. There's a group of parents that we've been meeting for over a year, twice a month, every yeah. two weeks. Um, and it's a group of about 10 to 12 of us that people rotate in and out depending on their, you know, real life, you know, responsibilities. Yeah. You know, we, we went through a presidential election time during that year. Imagine living in Washington, D.C. Some people were busy um, during that time. Yeah. And, um, you know, on both sides of the aisle, we have parents, and, and I could not have built this website with, you know, a spending tracker coded, you know, by myself. I'm not a coder. You know, I try to explain all these people, like, I, there are actually, there's actually a group of people, you know, real parents that help us, and hundreds of parents, hundreds and hundreds of parents, teachers, students who have signed up, who have sent us tips to the website, who follow us on Twitter. You know, our Twitter account reaches upwards of 350,000 to 500,000 impressions a month now. Wow, wow. Um, and, 
you know, and people just want to say, well, you obviously is trying to make money from this. And I'm thinking, what money am I making? You know, first of all, anyone who does, you know, a grassroots parent organization, you know, knows you don't, you know, make money. Imagine trying right. to say, I ran, I ran the middle school PTA and boy, did I break it in. You know, <laughs> I mean, right? You know, like somehow I scammed those parents out of, Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I can't even imagine, right? You know, so, you know, if that makes any sense whatsoever, I mean, I guess this makes sense to them. But, you know, I mean, but to go further and say, you know, because, uh, you know, we advocated as a group against, you know, what they were doing to Thomas Jefferson High School and their admissions. You know, I'm an Asian American also. That bothers me not only personally, but as our group, you know, we discussed and we were against that. So we always discuss these issues and our stances as a group. Um, they're not just my personal pet peeves, let's say, yeah. right? Well, you know, um, I, do, and I actually, I actually it's do. It's incredible. I, I do want to talk about TJ. I want you to give the audience sort of a, a quick, a, you know, like a quick elevator speech on what's happening mm-hmm. to TJ because I find that fascinating. And that really connects to sort of this push for, you know, anti-racist um, and you know, CRT in our schools. But before I do that, you know, I just want to tell you, it's interesting. We have in my city, we have an open schools group. And one of our one of our city school board members at one point on a Zoom, on a recorded Zoom meeting, wrote, uh, said, I actually said this. She said, well, you know, she was com- basically complaining about parents who wanted the schools open. She was complaining about them. And she said, look, parents just need to make a decision. They can either have living children or they're, you know, they can have, um, uh, their, their children's can be dead or they can be educated. And so in, in effect saying that if you're going to put your kids back in school, they're going to catch COVID and they're going to die. Okay. And it was just such an insane thing that she said. And, you know, this, this, and yeah, just, it was a terrible, terrible thing. Cause it, it basically, suggest that parents don't care. They just want their kids out of the house, whatever. So, you know, this went viral, of course, on Twitter. And she, you know, gave this kind of mealy-mouthed apology, right? But Laura Ingram did an entire, like, dedicate, she did a monologue on it and showed the video. And that's part of the reason it went viral, you know? Also, Daily, Daily Signal did a story on it. Twitchy tweeted about it, like some pretty high level sort of right of center accounts and media figures um, uh, focused on this. And I thought that is great. That is great. It gives us some attention. And my goodness, she didn't say that again. Let's just say that. And, you know, I think it was really good that she got the pushback that she did. Well, my my open schools group apologized, actually issued a statement apologizing for Laura, and they said, I don't have the, I have it screenshotted, but I don't have um, the actual, I don't have it in front of me. But it essentially was like, we know a lot of you are upset that Laura Ingram did a story on it. And I, you know, right. to me, I was like, are you kidding? It that made is, it worse. I knew, that is, I knew that's what you were going to say. Yeah. No, it didn't make and, it, 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 it well, we should be grateful to Laura Ingram for focusing on this. Oh, right. right. And, giving no, I agree. It, and giving it the media attention it deserves. If a school member has the, the audacity to talk to parents like that, you want it to, you want that video to get out there and you want her to feel the heat. And I think it's great. Okay. I mean, there wasn't any canceling or anything like that. It was just, it was just, this is an outrageous thing to say, but to have the, my open schools group apologize and because it was icky, right? It was icky. It was on Fox news. Right. right? 
And I mean, I live in a deeply, deeply liberal area. Okay. Like this Alexandria city is like, I think it's the darkest blue you can get. Um, so I get it, but to issue an apology and I thought, you know what, we should be grateful for this. We should be grateful for this exposure showing what parents in Alexandria city are dealing with the nonsense that we deal with. And so, you know, I think that kind of harassment that you've gotten can go either where there's like, you know, um, you know, you can react in one way. You can just say, Hey, I am, you know, I deny these things. I am not working for profit. I am not QAnon. I am not a, a racist. But I think that kind of bullying is very, is very intimidating to a lot of people who, and you know, and heaven forbid, if they find out one of the heads of the open group is Republican around here, that's a real problem. And that just, that's just very disappointing to me that, I mean, um, I spoke, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> And I spoke about that last night at the school board meeting I attended about that exact fact that that our school board, I said to them, you have created a toxic environment in our schools where I now get calls from teachers who say I can't even socialize or talk at my school about who I really am because the principal has allowed the political banter to go so far that I have to actually lie about who I voted for, pretend yes. to be somebody I'm not because I'm afraid of the other teachers picking on me. I mean, that is harassment. That is a toxic workplace. And it comes from the top down. It comes from our school board members being all politically left on their social media and principals feeling like that's, that's the environment that we're allowed to have. And, and when they talk about diversity and inclusion and equality, you know, they're not taking into account that there are Republicans or conservatives or, you know, people who are of different religious backgrounds who actually are hiding who they are at work, at school, students, you know, who may have supported Trump, whoever. But again, the point is, it's not for us to judge. You know, a a Fairfax County teacher should not be calling me and saying, I'm scared to open my mouth at work and you're the well, only and, person that I can talk to. Yes. And the, and the thing is, is that that group, you know, for, for as a conservative, as a Republican in my community to see that, to be part of this group that's advocating for open schools and then to see them, you know, sort of give this groveling apology for, Ooh, right. icky Fox news covered the issue that we, I mean, they, they would, you know, they're desperate to get media attention, but then apparently they just find Fox News untoward. It just makes me so mad. And in fact, what it, what it, what it says to a parent like me is I'm also icky that they don't want to hear my, they don't want to associate with me. And so, you know, there is a demographic of more conservative people in this city who they just basically said, you know what, we don't, we don't really, we don't need you in our group. And so, and again, you know, I, I have sympathy for people like you who are running these groups who get bullied and beat up and people say libelous things about you. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for that, but I don't think the answer is to then be like, you're right. You know, um, these people are bad. You know, these no, reporters who just gave us me. national attention are bad. Like, no, you say, you know what, guys, we're going to take any media attention we can get. Right. I don't care if it's, a, well, it, it, I don't care if it's a radio station in Nebraska. I'm going to be thrilled that someone is talking about the problems in Alexandria. And, and, and so, you know, I, I really found that excited. It's hypocrisy. And, and, and I will tell you actually, you know, a lot of people don't know how I ended up telling that story on Laura Ingram. So I was actually slated. You'll, if you, if, if, 
watch the show back or if I, you know, look at the photos, you'll see that the Chiron underneath our names does not fit at all what we were talking about. It actually talked about, you know, critical race theory. And um, I was actually slated to talk about curriculum issues. Laura Ingram, their staff, their producers, they had called me about two or three hours before we were going to go live and said, we looked through your tweets and we're actually very concerned about you. We're worried about these tweets of these people harassing you. We want to change your entire segment to be about this. Laura wants to talk about this because she's scared for you that these are so bad. And so we actually, you know, they didn't even have time to change the on-screen graphics or anything. And, and so, you know, they like to, you know, everyone who, so we, Laura is a, their producers, they pulled up these tweets and, you know, she was like, tell us about this. And of course, you know, the people that we pulled up, they said, oh, we're so happy. This is the best day of our lives. But, you know, it's our life goal to be featured as a villain on Laura Ingram, you know, and, and my response to them was, you need to take this more seriously. Someone at National Fox News pulled your tweets out and actually feared for my safety because of what you were saying and thought that they better switch up my entire segment to talk about this. And you think it's funny? Yeah. (laughs) One of these these people is a teacher. One of these people is a teacher at Fairfax County. He thinks it's hilarious. Is this the guy is, I think I know which teacher I've seen this guy um, tweeting, like he tweeted to Asra, Nomani, who's been fighting this, and to a black father who's also been fighting some of the critical race theory, and he's been he's been tweeting it. That I think I know exactly who you're talking about. This guy should have no place near children because he is no place, no place, no place near place. children. He it is sickening. His parents yes. all the time. Yes, online. He told one mother who was tweeting about you know her problems with her child in PE. He told her PE is not a weight loss clinic, woman. Oh um, no. He. You know, one another woman was talking about mental health. He tweeted at her, it seems like we must be in a pandemic, huh? Like all this sarcasm, yeah, you know, yeah. all this. He And then worse, worse yet is that last month he tweets, if it were up to me, I'd burn Thomas Jefferson to the ground. Unbelievable. Oh, and okay. So this is like, a good. Unbelievable. So, yeah, unbelievable. So, so <laughs> this is a good. This is uh, you're very good at this because that's a perfect segue. And and I I, I know we've gone over our time, but this is a great I really do want you to give sort of a quick explanation. Um, Give our listeners and, you know, honestly, you should come back on and we should talk just about TJ. What's happening? Let me give let me give let me give the listeners just a quick TJ stands for Thomas Jefferson High School. It is it is. I mean, this is no joke. It is the best high school in the United States. It is number one high school. And it is, and it is incredibly respected. It's a science and 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 um, mathematical high school, very very heavily focused on math and science. And you actually have to have to take a test to get into this school. Um, needless to say, I would never pass that test to get into that. I, when I was, you know, when I was a fourteen year old kid, I would never. These are really really bright kids that get into TJ and Sue. They have, this is all part of, we're kind of shifting gears here away from opening school subject to more of the critical race theory. Tell me what's going on there and how this has, this sort of fight for equity. And, and I've explained on the show before, equity is not the same as equality, but this fight for so-called equity is, is really going to destroy TJ. Tell the listeners a little bit about that. So, you know, there is this constant need in Fairfax County for some reason to 
you know, count how many people are in each race. So right. we first have to start there, right? I mean, there's, there's very few board meetings where somebody says, well, you know, in Fairfax County, there are 20% Asians. Um, they even, for their resolution to celebrate Asian American Heritage Month, the first sentence was, whereas there are 20% Asians in Fairfax County. I kid you not. So Good this God. statistic is very important to them. Let's just lay the, the background. So Thomas Jefferson happens to be 70% Asian. Well, yeah. apparently, according to them, that is a fact to be ashamed of. And, and instead yeah. of being proud that TJ is, as you mentioned, ranked the number one high school in the United States by U.S. News and World Report based on how many people attend college, 100%, by the way, how many people attend an Ivy League college, you know, what the average SAT score is, you know, how many people there go on to successful careers, you know, any statistic that you want. Yep. Use, right? How many people win national scholarship awards, etc. It's ranked the number one school. But for Fairfax County, that's nothing to be happy about because the one thing that is a is a glaring, horrible, you know, we should be thoroughly embarrassed is that there are 70% Asians there. So they feel like the reason for that is that Asians study too hard for the entrance test. They have um, extra tutoring. Um, oh, there is, in fact, you know, in Fairfax County, um, a few tutoring academies that are taught in Asian languages. There's a Korean language uh, tutoring academy, a, a, a Chinese. So for, let's just say that for some people, this is very bothersome. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and they want to connect that with um, something untoward, right? Something yep. unfair. Um, and again, I'm an Asian American. I actually was not born in this country. I was born in Taiwan. And, you know, to say that there is a cultural difference between Asian families and families of other cultures is is not an excuse, right? There is, in fact, a cultural difference in yep. how, you know, education and especially math and sciences are viewed by Asian cultures. Um, because there's a right and a wrong answer in math. And I know this yeah. is very hard for people to understand. You know, we tend to like those academics because they're concrete and we're right. concrete people, you right. know, right. Um, it, it just, you know, we don't have a ton of, you know, poet laureates. Okay. <laughs> um, we have a lot of math and, and it's, you know, I'm sorry to say, I'm going to stereotype. It's a little bit cultural, right? Yeah, but yeah. not only that. And I, and, and I spoke about, this other this other very important fact the school board doesn't like to address at a couple of school board meetings ago, there's also something called the 1965 Immigration and Naturalization Act, which required all the immigrants from Asia to be in a STEM field. Uh, so are you serious? In fact, I, I am in fact serious because what? my father was only allowed in this country because he was going to get a PhD in quantum physics. Oh right? my gosh. So the fact is we had to, our Asian immigrants, in order to get a visa, you have to commit Fascinating. to or prove a proficiency in a, guess what, a STEM field. So you can't come in here if you want to be a poet laureate or an English major. They would deny you the visa. So not only are is it a cultural interest, it, we literally, let's imagine, if I could just imagine an analogy, let's say there was a wall, right? Right. And in order to get through that wall, you had to only be competent in certain fields. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
this is not by our choice. This is the 1965 Immigration and Naturalization Act. So then you factor that into the fact that Fairfax County is a tech cyber, you know, DOD, you know, corridor. It's a tech corridor, AOL, you know. So they are actually proportionally more tech, STEM, science jobs in Fairfax County, especially in areas like Tyson's, Dulles, you know, than in other parts of the country, let's say in Columbus, Ohio. Right. Right, right. So now you compound those statistics and I ask you whether or not having 20 percent Asians at a STEM school, these are descendants, either first or second generation descendants of people who crossed over this wall, the 1965 Immigration Act, whether it makes sense for you to ask for a one to one parity. Oh, my God. To 20 percent, you know, mathematically and historically, that doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't. So I, I mean, so just I'm sorry that history lesson dragged out no, a little while, but you know, this is my personal history. This, this is, is my your personal per- yes. history. Yes. You know, and it's like, you so know, this, would so, would so, I okay, be so in this love, country if my so, dad wasn't a quantum physicist? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? so so you're um never invite me over. I'll be like the dumbest person in the room <laughs> with your but, family there. But, you know, but, um, but what I'm I, trying to say is it's not my fault. Right? <laughs> you know, like, I, right, I wouldn't right, right. be here. You wouldn't right. even know me if right. it was any other way. Well, I would have, my, so, my so family would have been denied entry. So you've got a situation here where, you know, culturally, you know, math, science, and again, you know, historically, um, that's who came t- into the country. And yet Fairfax officials who, you know, don't bother to know any of this or don't care, no, you know, they're obs- like, you, like you said, they are really obsessed with counting and not in the good oh. way. <laughs> like, right. like, you know, they're right. counting. So they want absolute like the proportion of black people in Fairfax County right. should be the proportion of TJ, the proportion of. So so instead of you said 70 percent of it's 70 percent Asian, it should be 20 percent Asian and whatever right. the proportion right. of black is. So the point is, is that, so that, that is now their goal. So what are they doing to make this happen? They are taking away the test. Is this correct? They took away the test and, you know, replaced it with um, a portrait of a learner essay. um, And uh, what they want to call a merit lottery, but is really a lottery. I mean, I don't know if the words merit lottery makes sense in anywhere else other than Fairfax County, but you know, it's anyone above a certain GPA, they basically put your names in a hat and, and draw, um, and, and they consider that fair. Um, and, you know, and, and I want to stop and say, obviously, as a teacher and, you know, as, as a math person, I want everyone to have an opportunity at a, at a governor's academy like TJ, you know, but the answer would have been to create more TJ. Right. Well, to create yeah. more pathways to it. Right. Right. The uh, the the other answer is, um, you know, I don't know. It's so much bigger than just looking at the school itself. I mean, you know, what is going on that in, you know, at home that these kids are not doing well in school? It's not just like, or what is going on in the school that they're at that that math instruction. I will tell you right now, my son. At George Mason Elementary School, where my son goes to school, he the the math is so the math instruction is so bad. The funniest part was we have a tutor now for him, and our tutor like looked over the the homework sheet, 
which I had to like beg for, right? I was like, um, I, my, I want my, I want you to send me, you know, home worksheets that correspond to what you're learning so I can print them off for my son. And, um, and he, they were wrong. They were actually like, they were like, he gave like, um, an answer key with it. And the answer key was wrong. So, I mean, the math instruction is so bad. And so like, maybe we need to look at schools where, you know, they have a high percentage of black students and look at like, what is the problem there? Maybe we We need to to consider bigger problems. You know, this is not the fault of our hardworking teachers. I love our hardworking teachers, but the way our educational training system works, you know, in the United States is that teachers who are certified for up to sixth grade, so um, primary, what we call primary school, do not have to take higher level math. Right? Yeah. Only people no, who are certified new, to teach yes. seven and up have to take advanced math. Right. So, you know, one of the things that we could help prepare more children for a STEM academy like TJ is to just change the math requirement well, they've, they've of gotten, elementary school teachers. Well, they've, right? they've gotten, well, you know, out of another thing, out of equity, they've gotten rid of advanced math now. Now Virginia won't right. be even offering and the honors math or advanced tracking for math. So they're actually going to make the wrong direction. And, and I right. would just say one <laughs> yeah. thing. And look, Sue, I can't imagine ever disagreeing with you. But I will say one thing. I am very tired of feeling like I always have to give teachers a pass. I am real, real tired of it now. It has been a year and I've seen very little advocacy on the part of teachers themselves. And frankly, I think the teachers unions have are really the force behind closed schools and I'm really disappointed. Yeah. And frankly, you know, I have given so much grace and I've been, I've been so patient for over a year and a half. I still have one in the public school system. We're pulling him out next year. But the point is, is that, you know, we have a terrible, my son is a bad math teacher. And like the, the fear of ever giving a bad, like ever being critical of a teacher, you know, because there's, there's this pathology out there now like you're not allowed to ever criticize a teacher right and I'm a little tired of that and I really openly I think parents should say look this is not great math instruction and I can afford to get my son a tutor who does intense tutoring with him and she has done more with Willie and my son is doing really well really great we're going we actually have a separate textbook for him he's doing a a parallel work and but I can afford that. Okay. But this teacher is teaching parent kids who are in, you know, English learning language, have special needs problems, and he's doing a terrible job and everyone just kind of looks the other way. I mean, I've been on, I have been on group zoom calls about this teacher with other parents and no one, will, I say something cause I'm like this loud fishwife who's always like screaming about things, but no one else would say anything. Be- and I'm not kidding you. Some of the parents actually said to me, Oh, I can't, I can't say anything because I need that teacher to give my child a recommendation letter for a private school. I mean, do you get more like, okay. I mean, talk about privileged, yeah. right? And I was like, you know right. what? I'm not actually, I'm going to risk it. I'm just going to risk it. And I'm, and believe me, this guy doesn't like me. And and you know what? I asked a different teacher for a recommendation. So like I found a way around it, but it is amazing. The silence of the privileged people because they don't want to speak up there has just and and again I think at the in this COVID time you know there was a short time where you could never criticize a restaurant you know if you got a bad meal because COVID that's dangerous you should be able to criticize teachers and and talk about you know that that you know look teachers should be doing a better job frankly I'm pretty I'm pretty PO that teachers are staying at home after getting a vaccine 
you know, there's a lot of kids that go to school that their schools have opened and that they're sitting in a classroom with a computer zooming with their teacher who's at home. So, you know, I get it and you're nice and I, I, I don't want to slam teachers either, but I'm sort of, I've gotten, I've gotten over this, um, sort of tiptoeing around the teacher issue now. Yeah, I no, think they're, I, they're I accountable. I completely understand that. I, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and no, and, and, and we agree with that stance at Do Better. And I myself, you know, I have been, um, you know, really um, explaining, you know, what is going to be the impact of collective bargaining, right. um, you know, and, and on, on the situation, which is, you know, that's a new um, development in the state of Virginia. And also we have been advocating, and this may seem like a small thing, but, you know, for parents to not support their PTAs. Um, and because yes. the PTA is just a wholesale you know, a, a, a lumping of all the teachers together, yes. as opposed to individually recognizing the teachers who deserve recognition right. one at a time, and you know, not you know, why should I give a hundred dollars to ever you know into a group fund where I would rather just thank the individual teachers who I felt you know helped my child um, or someone in the front office or wh- whomever who went out of the way for, you know, somebody, either my yeah. child or somebody else, and and reward them as I see fit, as opposed well, to constantly being asked to give into this pool, right, right. where well, it, 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 it just it, goes even, to everybody. You know, Sue, I just, did a, I just did an episode on the PTA and how the PTAs are, are, are have become act, – they're activists. The national right. PTA – I mean, the the shocking things that they promote um, and want PTAs to get behind. And frankly, you know, the PTAs have been utterly silent silent during this. They have not had, you know, they had their national national convention. And do you know opening schools wasn't on the agenda? They never talked about it, but they did talk about climate change. And they talked about, you know, uh, you know, banning guns. And they talked about a whole bunch of other issues that like, you know, I mean, I, you know, I have this parenting podcast, you know, ev- almost every single episode has been about the open school issues because that's what parents are talking about. That's and the PTA, yeah. I mean, that is why groups like I yours don't know what they're doing. Are, right. I don't, right. Oh, my I, God. I don't know either. You know what I mean, right. I don't know what they're doing. You know what they're doing? They're telling women to get in the kitchen and cook, make cookies. I swear that's like the only thing I ever do for PTA now. Right. They're like, can cookies. you bring us a pie? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to bring you a pie. I'm not. <laughs> I know. You know, and the thing is, I I will tell you right now, I have sent my daughter's teachers cookies, cupcakes, thank you notes. I have done that for individual teachers who I felt like have been supportive of the difficult year, you know, that children have had. And I have done that individually. You know, if I feel like a principal has done something, I, you know, I, I have absolutely recognize them, but I don't need the PTA to be, you know, the intermediary where I give them a pie. So they give someone else a pie. You know what I mean? Like I'm an adult. I'm going to give them the, I'm going to decide who gets the pie. Thank you very much. That is why why we have needed groups like yours and the other open schools groups, whether it's open Arlington, whether it's open Loudoun County and open New York city, open Chicago. There are all these groups, these little groups 
are a powerful force that have replaced yeah. the PTA. And, you know, the PTA loses mo- is, is really losing money. People are not joining the PTA, and they shouldn't. All you have to do is look, go, look, go look at the PTA and see kind of the, the issues that they are pushing and their absolute absence during the biggest upheaval in – in education in the United States, and they did not have a seat at the table. I I am so angry at the PTA, but I am so pleased that groups like yours have come basically to the rescue, are the only voices out there, only organized voices out there that are speaking for parents. And Sue, I, I can't thank you enough. I think you are so brave. You are so plucky and, and funny on, <laughs> on Twitter. And I know you have other people that help you um, with with open, uh, do better FCPS. So thank you so much. And listen, I want you to tell our audience where can they find you. Um, what yes. um, uh, I apologize, my husband's phone is ringing in the background. That'll make a nice addition to this podcast. But um, tell you know, tell us true. where we can find <laughs> you. So um, our group is called Do Better FCPS um, for Do Better Fairfax County Public Schools, and it's on the web at www.dobetterfcps.com. Um, our, we are most active on Twitter, um, which is at Do Better FCPS. Um, we also have recently started a PAC, um, which we will, you know, because our elections uh, are in 2023 for school board and, and local delegates, um, and that is uh, dobetteraction.org, um, we will be soon accepting, you know, basically PAC uh, donations to help influence the upcoming elections. That's great, great news. I'm so thrilled, and I'm really glad that you've shifted it, it into something more permanent, permanent and advocacy for parents. So you make me want to move to Fairfax County. And uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're hoping everyone, I mean, you know, every county, every parent become, and, and we, sh- we are seeing this, as you've said, become motivated to um, have representation and a diverse voice on the school board, um, you know, or on the board of supervisors, uh, you know, anywhere where, you know, in the local arena where people now realize it does matter um, to have diversity, it does matter to vote. And that's what, you know, I would love to end this on is just, you know, I, you know, I, you know, a lot of people do say, oh, Sue, thank you for what you're doing. And I, I don't want to say, you know, you don't have to thank me. I'm just thrilled when people say, you know, I'm, I'm involved now. I, I'm oh. going to stay tuned to this and, you know, we're grateful and, you know, I'm going to keep, you know, taking, <laughs> taking on the, you know, the rough comments. And I just yeah. want people to feel like they can go out there and, um, you know, be protected and, and make a difference and, and, and ha- know that they're not alone. Oh, Sue, what a great way to end this. And I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I hope hope your message gets out there more and more and you keep being active and keeping these school officials uh, accountable um, for what they're doing. So thanks again for, for coming on the Bespoke Parenting Hour. Julie, thank you so much. Thanks everyone for being here for another episode of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. If you enjoyed this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure that the podcast reaches as many listeners as possible. If you haven't subscribed to the Bespoke Parenting Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, please do so so you won't miss an episode. Don't forget to share this episode and let your friends know that they can get Bespoke episodes on their favorite podcast app. From all of us here at the Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening.